0: How much do you know about pregnancy and alcohol? The reality may surprise you. Alcohol exposure while in the womb may cause fetal alcohol spectrum disorder in unborn children. It may lead to lifelong physical and or neurodevelopmental impairments such as problems with memory, attention, cause and effect reasoning, and difficulties in adapting to situations. For such an impactful disorder, it is rarely spoken about in the popular media. This podcast will take you behind the scenes to chat with the people who understand FASD. This is Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. My name is Kurt Lewis, your friendly neighbourhood podcaster. Today, I'm talking to an Australian journalist, an author, a television presenter, a filmmaker and a FASD advocate. Dr. Jeff McMullen. NoFASD is very proud to have Jeff as one of our organisation's ambassadors. How's it going, Jeff?
1: It's great. Thank you, Kurt. Despite the lockdown, the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I think we're doing well in Australia, so I'm still feeling optimistic.
0: Jeff, you've been a journalist with many years of experience. I'm sure you've interviewed hundreds of people. Is it strange being on the other side of the fence, so to speak, being the interviewee rather than the interviewer?
1: I enjoy good conversation. And so it's your interest in people, your interest in the world, your interest in life that really makes all conversation engaging. And I did find over 50 years of interviewing myself that the most intelligent people seem to be always interested in what the other person has got to say. Mm. That fascinated me. You can meet someone like Nelson Mandela or the Dalai Lama or John Lennon, and the very gifted people are really great listeners. And I think so much of what I've learned in life has come through that keen listening and realizing every day you can pick up something new that is useful in your life.
0: Well, a wise man once told me that we've got two ears and one mouth, so we should do twice as much listening as we do talking in in some respects.
1: A very wise bit of advice.
0: <laughs> all right, my first question I just want to ask. Uh, Jeff, you were the youngest ABC foreign correspondent at 18 years of age. What made you want to get into journalism at such an early age?
1: We were all young in the 1960s. We believed the world was waiting for us to change it. And I saw journalism as a frontier in Australia where we could find our own voice. We could be Australian. We didn't have to mimic the BBC or the Americans. And it was also a way for me to make sense of the world around me through writing journalism, writing, interviewing, filmmaking, storytelling in all of the different forms for me had started as a child, really, in the 1950s. My dad was in the RAAF. We were on the island of Penang in Malaysia. And I had notebooks in which I would write things like the true story of Penang. So I can look back to my childhood and say, it wasn't journalism, but it was using writing and observing and structuring stories to make sense, first of all, for myself of what I was seeing, but then also to realise that others might be interested in what I was discovering, and that really is the essence of great journalism. It is back to what we said: it's the art of listening, and then realising that there may be something useful in what you can pass on to others, and mm. that's a wonderful thing in storytelling.
0: Mm. So, you've always been very attracted to the art of storytelling. At it's very essence, really. Have you? I always, think.
1: I would be scribbling on the sky, I would be writing on the sand, I would be trying to make up a song or a story to entertain myself, first of Mm. all. It is the way of seeing the world, and then the beauty of writing is that it has this depth, and others can reflect on your effort and draw a whole lot of other useful knowledge from, from what you pass on, and of course... With that goes the pleasure of reading, of watching great filmmaking. The the greatest storytellers of our age work across media. Uh, Someone Mm. like David Attenborough, Mm. you think, has located us as human beings in the living world, and you can understand everything from the pandemic's to the species extinction, to the threat of global warming. The interconnectedness of things is best explained by those masterful storytellers. Now, I simply grew up in an age where we were venturing out around the world. We were able to travel in a way that people never had in other generations. And we had our own opportunity in Australia to be a generation of storytellers that were quite authentic and grounded in our own place what was important to Australians that's what my generation tried to bring back to the country
0: and not only have you been a great storyteller in, and a journalist in essence but you've also been a you've advocated on so many issues so many important issues such as the slaughter of the tribes in the amazon environmental issues the struggle for health equality in australia known as that was known as the closing the gap campaign I'm wondering, did you grow up in a family that championed social causes or was this something that you developed from what you saw in your work and travels as a journalist?
1: The opportunity to see the world and to go everywhere in my own country to investigate, to inquire about things that seemed important and even urgent was an opportunity that came through journalism. But I can look back to my grandparents and my parents and see that somebody always plants that seed of curiosity. And my grandfather came back from World War I. He'd been shot up a couple of times, was so grateful to doctors and nurses who'd kept him alive, and he and my grandmother worked to help expand Maitland Hospital, which in the Hunter Valley of New South Wales became the first real healthcare for the coal miners and the The cow cockies everyone on the land it was an era where the health system we have today didn't exist and it came about through grassroots community effort so my grandfather certainly was an inspiration and my own mother and father passed on that belief that every one of us has to be awake to what's happening in our own community on our streets to know your neighbours if they have a need. And then in journalism, it all connects. I got to know people in so many places and realise that we have that power ourselves to bring the change, to make some small improvement. But it does go back a long way. The inspiration, I think, is lies within family and community.
0: Not many people realise that A lot of the big things we take for granted today came from grassroots actions. It came from individuals who were willing to advocate this stuff. And we we take a lot of that kind of for granted in some respects.
1: It can come from the simplest act of kindness or a willingness to act. When I was a foreign correspondent in New York City for the ABC, I heard about John Lennon and Yoko Ono, who were responding to a marvellous African-American woman, Mama Hale, who had taken children left in a basket on her front step and was raising these children. And these kids had actually been born addicted to crack cocaine. And I saw myself in doing a film about this issue, the importance of somebody taking action, not just knowing about something. But Mama Hale took that child in and then many others. And John Lennon went and sang for those children. And she built the knowledge that in utero, that tiny unborn child exposed to a toxic substance was going to be born a quivering, addicted baby. And seeing that with my own eyes, I've never, ever forgotten it. Seeing a child delivered into the world, and then to make those neural connections myself, oh, it starts that early. How we live shapes that child, and that child's journey in life goes back to the in utero phase. And I think that connection of it's not only understanding the science or a health issue it's where do we as individuals fit into it what is your responsibility how do you share that knowledge is there a way that within your family you will pass on something that is truly life-saving and certainly life-changing
0: do you think we all have that responsibility, that responsibility to to stand up, advocate, and also to pass on positive messages and positive things to our children?
1: I am convinced of that, and I do go back to my own family's action of not only seeing an injustice or a failing in society, but bringing it back to How do I live? What should I do? When my mother was only a very little girl, she asked her father, why couldn't the Aboriginal children who lived in the shanty near her country shack, why couldn't they go to school? They all played in the paddock barefoot together. And she asked her father and her father said to all, well, that's how it is. And she said, it is wrong. And I carry that kind of lesson with me to my actions each day. Knowing about something that is flawed or an injustice is not enough. You have to bring it home, align that with your own value set, and then say... Is it possible that if we began the revolution in ourselves, you might see the societal change, the awakening, and that leads to really the enlightenment across a whole society of all of the important issues. They are all connected because they depend on the knowledge. Until you're able to spark that knowledge, you won't see the broader societal change.
0: Out of curiosity, how did you first become aware of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and become involved in advocating for change on this issue?
1: It was through a marvellous alliance of women in the Fitzroy River area in Western Australia, Maureen Carter, June Oscar. They were examining in a single community the hidden epidemic of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And... As a storyteller, they came to me and I tried to write about this in a life-changing way to say, I believe if young men and women know about this, then it is possible to have a circuit-breaking discovery that instead of accepting the damage that alcohol causes in Israel, there might be a societal response that would be quite enlightened. It was really Seeing at a community level in the Fitzroy River Valley that it was possible to get everybody to align in a response to the situation. We've known about alcohol's impact on pregnancy for centuries. Doctors were warning of the shriveling of the unborn child in ancient literature, correcting our behavior to actually see this alcohol as a toxic substance that we have normalised is a 21st century problem. And therefore, seeing it within a community changed my view of the issue. I would look at the bottle of wine on the table in quite a different way after listening to mothers who explained to me the behavior of their children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And it came back to then, where could I contribute beyond the storytelling? And it led me to Rockhampton, the Alliance of Central Queensland Health People, Manessia, Naji, Julie, others from the Sunshine Coast who built a very impressive alliance that always worked at the grassroots. Looking to see if it was possible to awaken at the grassroots an alliance of people in the schools, in GPs, among the community leaders that could actually see that this was something where we needed a true change of attitude to alcohol, which is very difficult to do in a country where we have normalized alcohol Mm. for such a long time.
0: Well, you've done a lot of work advocating for this. You've written numerous articles. In terms of your advocacy work for FASD, is there a piece of work that you're most proud of and why?
1: I think each breakthrough in knowledge is something to be shared, it's not so much that you can point to a single moment and say that is where we change the country on this issue because there are so many of those milestones. I think you build the change with each effort to share the knowledge. And so I would go all the way back to the discovery of the epigenetic effect of alcohol, it's connection that it's, it may not just be one generation, but two or three that are affected, that you might be thinking about grandchildren in this causal change. That to me is the kind of story that I have tried to highlight mm. that makes people look at this in a different way. Oh, it's not just about me or my first child. It may be that child's child and beyond that scientific approach is very necessary because when we have an issue like alcohol use that is so normalised, where we've linked alcohol to all of our milestones in life, the celebration of a birth is often done with alcohol. Mm. A funeral is the wake is marked with alcohol. So, And then every Melbourne Cup and Sporting Triumph, we have alcohol there in our culture in Australia. When you're dealing with that setting, the role for me is to try to find a way, find the right words, find the positive message. Is there a way that you can put that knowledge into a capsule that will make the young woman, the young man, the society, look at the issue in a different way? So it can come through meeting someone. I have met young children who are damaged by fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, but realised the tragedy of having a situation where their condition was not recognised in law as a disability. That drove me to work with the lawyers from Gilbert and Tobin who were in an advocacy effort going around the country from state to state to try to change the law so that fetal alcohol spectrum disorder was recognised as a disability And that would start to focus the courts on the bigger problem, that we are sending large numbers of children into detention and then into the long process of endless recidivism, repeat offences, back in the jail and ending up in a situation where it is very hard to bring the care and education that we owed those children very early in their life. That is another very important issue that I've tried to contribute on. Just recently, during the pandemic, when the alcohol companies, in their search for new markets, have begun to turn to the northern frontier across the top end of Australia, whereas in much of the country, Australians are beginning to moderate their alcohol consumption, uh, which is a historic, hopeful change. You see in the top end of country a very aggressive expansion into markets where the alcohol sales, but I still see a possibility to grow the, the sale of grog. Mm-hmm. The Endeavour Drinks Group, which was then last year still a subsidiary of Woolworths, was rushing ahead with a plan to build one of the largest mega alcohol stores in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah near three dry Aboriginal communities in the Darwin region. My stories were a very small part of the broad health advocacy by all of the leading health institutions in Australia that tried to focus the country to see that, especially during the global pandemic of COVID-19, this was a very dangerous thing to be thrusting more cheap grog into alongside communities that had been doing their best to control a very serious alcohol problem. And in the wider problem, we know that across the top end, alcohol consumption is a major contributor to the chronic illness burden that that region carries. So each of these small contributions in storytelling, I feel is important because It may be the labelling on alcohol, wine bottles. If I can tell a story that takes the good work of all of the science, of all of the grassroots community organisations and shows people that We need our politicians to be responsible. They have babies too. Mm. And I have directly written letters to people like Michael Gunner, the chief minister in the Northern Territory, and said, you have had a child yourself in the past 12 months. Think about this. This is an issue that affects every child born in this country. Personalise it. Load them up with the responsibility to think about the other children. And your words then... Are part of that broader societal change. I don't single out any one thing I've done over my lifetime. I think it's always about if you've got this knowledge, how do you share it? I believe there is so much potential goodness in our society that if people truly have the knowledge given and shared in the right way, the best of our angels will try up at those times.
0: Well, I liked your idea, personalising the message because a lot of people don't recognise that FASD impacts them in terms of it could happen to anyone and personalising it in terms of making people understand you have children, everyone has children, and we can all understand what it's like to want the best for our children.
1: I've gone into school classrooms where principals have explained to me the high percentage of children in that classroom who are brain-altered by fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and they carry that disability for so long without proper diagnosis often, without proper care and response, without special education, I could not do anything else but personalise it and say if we had acted, if the society had provided the right alert, in most cases – the young woman becoming pregnant doesn't know she's pregnant and may well still be drinking alcohol at their regular rate. And therefore, to me, it comes back to at what point could that information have been provided? How do you make the young people aware that, it can be in the first weeks, it could be around day 18 after conception that that vulnerable stage is there. If only that life-changing information had been shared. So seeing a child in the classroom struggling to learn, uh, listening to the mothers and fathers who explained to me how you can't get the children to focus, going into detention centres and seeing the children that ended up being imprisoned As 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds, unnecessarily because of this condition, I believe it is still about the circuit-breaking knowledge. How do we share that? How do we make the change at an earlier preventative stage? Once we see the damage before us, we owe the child the care, and I have seen the triumphs of people who live with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and operate despite that damage mm. and bring out gifts in their creativity and in their expressiveness. And even their willingness to share their story about what they went through is an extraordinary part of the human spirit that people who realise they are carrying this disability are still among the most impactive in saying to others, this doesn't have to happen. We should think about giving birth to a child as one of the most wondrous things that will happen to us in life. And therefore, why don't we put the effort into this? And why don't we put the effort into the earlier education? Yeah. Why don't we bring it back to the children we know? So I very freely, if I know young people are interested, I give them as much information and science as. As they are willing to take in. And I also empower people, I believe, by pointing them towards the well being that comes with taking control of your decision making. That you don't have to be part of the herd mentality on things like alcohol, that you can still enjoy all of these things. But why be mesmerized by behavior that? So clearly will affect your own health and especially the gifts that you will give to your child. To be able to bring a healthy child into the world is a wondrous thing and therefore put the work into that wondrous opportunity.
0: That's a really good message. And honestly, does it frustrate you that despite the, what we know about what alcohol does to pregnancy, there's still people out there who think they can still drink while they're pregnant? Does it frustrate you that there's still that level of, not there's not that level of knowledge out there?
1: I've tried to understand why that is so. And I think we live in this cultural bubble. It's like the matrix. All of the information we're getting, all of the conditioning that comes through watching other things happen. And you think of the milestones in life tell us that we have normalised a toxic substance. So we know it can be harmful. We know too much of it is harmful. But why do we resist, therefore, taking the next step and saying, well, if I can clearly identify the damaging impact, why can't I avoid that? I think the conditioning process is so powerful. It overwhelms reason. We have to get back to What will change that part of the equation? At the Melbourne Cup each year, when I see people dressed up to the nines and falling over in the paddock with a champagne glass in their hand or a beer bottle, we have said that's the great Australian celebration. What I'm saying is the great Australian celebration, in my view, might well be holding that newborn child in your arms and knowing the gift you have given that child is the best start in life, is health. We need a mind switch on this. If you want the come on, Aussie, come on, to include the bottle in the hand, then clearly you are not making that connection. Everywhere that I've gone in the world, I realise that people like to alter their mind state at celebratory moments. What I'm trying to focus people on is to see that, yes, that is all good and possible, but when it comes to giving birth to a child, you have to think again. And once you think again, the science changes your behaviour. Because I don't believe there is any young woman or young man in this world who, if they did stop and thought again at that moment, would deliberately damage their child. That's not in human nature. Mm -hmm. The instinct of the mother and of the father is to nurture. The question is, you need that pause. You need to just think, is my action at this point going to affect the child? And then you also need to add that extra bit of behavioral knowledge to know that, Well, if you're in the season of giving birth to a child, you may not know you're going to be pregnant. Therefore, how do I need to adjust my behavior in that season? And that comes back to others. It's not only the responsibility of those two people. I believe we don't talk about this enough. We don't realize that any time that an older person might sit with a younger person, man or woman, and say, If you really want that healthy start for your child, this is the effort you need to make. So that's the transformation. Uh, It's a spark of knowledge. And I believe once you see a woman or a man that makes that connection, you see a wider change around them. They are very keen to share that knowledge. They pass it on to other women of the same age men start to realise that it is a shared responsibility we have. It is not to be left only to the young woman or the mother. The young man and the father-to-be should also see this. And then I believe in the classroom, you could have the discussion. I think we should be educating children about alcohol at a much younger age. Children are capable of asking the most insightful questions and we need to explain that alcohol is a toxic substance.
0: I understand that much of your current work, both writing and presenting, is very much focused on big picture issues. What have you done to alleviate those threats? Uh, Can you please share with the listeners what you identify as the main threats and also approaches are available to solve these problems?
1: Well, from... The world that I've traveled through over decades, I can see in the 21st century, the human species is at a crossroads. We are capable of creating the greatest advances in human history, but we're also facing the interconnected threats of overpopulation, global warming a diminishing of the essential life-sustaining resources and the arrival of pandemics caused by viruses crossing from other species and threatening us is a pattern. The separate issues can be analysed as individual events, but in fact they are a consequence of behaviour. In almost all cases, we have become the sentient species, but also the natural born killer. We are ourselves creating a lot of the long term threat to our survival and the survival of other species. It's why I mentioned David Attenborough as one of the great storytellers of the 20th and 21st century. It is the earth scientists who have made the connection between the threats. And we need to use our minds to understand that If we think like sentient custodians, we will have a long-term view of life on Earth and of species and of human survival and realise that each one of these threats can be managed and we have a great role in preserving the balance. So connecting those separate threats is necessary, but then acknowledging that in the 21st century, the pace of change, the rapid growth from 8 billion people to 10 billion people before the population levels out, the diminishing resources, the pandemics and others to come, uh, all is occurring alongside the expansion of science and especially medical discovery that gives us the potential still As one of the great earth scientists, Edward O. Wilson, says this could be a paradise on earth in the 21st century, but we need reason and common sense. And therefore, each small step that every individual takes to use your common sense, wear your mask, get your vaccination shot, do something for the neighbour to help care for someone who is suffering, take Action personally and join with the grassroots community effort in your area. And you can see we have a transformational capacity. It does go back to what I've seen in history, what I've seen around the world, where we have lived through the most extraordinary improvements. We are actually beginning to lower global poverty. We are making medical breakthroughs like the arrival of these vaccines to do with COVID 19. We have The ability to be able to improve life for human beings, if we think like a human family and we realise we are custodians, we need the long-term view of life to understand the individual threat and then to take the individual act of responsibility. Our actions will bring the change.
0: Honestly, I hadn't thought of a solution like that. It's hard to equate all these big issues with something as small as common sense ones like wearing a mask or getting a COVID vaccination or joining in grassroots movements. It's hard to equate such big things like overpopulation, global warming with small actions.
1: It may be looking at that wine bottle on the table at a celebratory event and making sure that someone sitting around that table who might be about to have a child understands that, yes, it's a bottle of wine, but also it could change the life of that still unconceived child. You <laughs> know, The child yet to be born uh, can be shaped by whether or not we actually even tell that story, whether we explain things like the epigenetics of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, whether we believe that children themselves are capable of understanding these things. So you see lots of clever campaigns that focus on the label on the wine bottle. The label on the wine bottle is the spark for each one of us to say, yes, It is a pleasure that you can have it some hours, some times of life, but understand that it's beyond risk. It is a threat to that child if used irresponsibly. And therefore, what is responsibility? Well, sometimes I believe it's to share that knowledge that if people don't know these things, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and every other threat to well-being remains hidden, unknown, secret, we need to be direct with one another to realise that little moments of kindness, speaking to a child and recognising the children have great intelligence at a very young age and it is possible to say to a child, this is what alcohol is. Yes, it's made from a grape or from barley in the field, but When it comes to the unborn child, it's a toxic substance. So I don't think you can start too early with that shared storytelling. And at the top end, corporate behavior, politicians, they need to set the example of this. This is not about somebody else's child. This is about every child. And if you change your personal response to the issue, you begin to see that it is possible to create the good intention. The good intention leads to others willing to take the same step. You must first focus on, is it possible to improve the situation we're in? Clearly, yes. What is the action I must take? Will others join in? I see in human history, others do join in. Mm. That is why we have advanced as a species. So the brain is there to use it. Your intellect is there. Don't underestimate what children are capable of and try to bring those in leadership positions to realize it is their responsibility. They will fail not only their own children, but all of our children if they don't act responsibly.
0: That's a great message right there. I usually ask if there's any more that we could be do individuals or a whole society could do for prevent FASD, but I think you've just answered it right there.
1: Thank you, Kurt. Uh, what you're doing in the podcast of sharing the knowledge is the essential part of this process. Over 20 years ago, the world looked at this as just another medical condition to deal with. Once the World Health Organization and others began to see that You can have conditions like fetal alcohol spectrum disorder that are in epidemic and sometimes pandemic proportions where society is almost blissfully unaware, certainly unresponsive. And then you think, why did we allow that numbness? You know, that Mm. conditioning, what does it take for the awakening? And that has occurred all the way through history. We did it with tobacco for so long. We did it with, you know, ignoring helmets or seatbelts in cars. Lots of things that have changed life of our species took a fair bit of effort to awaken people, but the key issue is always the enlightenment. What is the spark of enlightenment? What is the gift of knowledge that you can share at a particular point And then you see we surge ahead. Mm. So I think we're at that stage. The pandemic has focused us as a global human community to understand that you've got to deal with these things across the world, around the world. So we in Australia have every opportunity on fetal alcohol spectrum disorder to be world leaders. We may have once also been world record holders in our irresponsible use of alcohol, Therefore, it gives us the potential to be a transformational society, to say we understand how to use alcohol, we've made the connection clear and we've brought it into our educational process within our individual families, within our classrooms and then we change the society.
0: Well, one last question, Jeff. In terms of providing that message, providing that knowledge, how do you deal with the resistance you get from this kind of stuff? So how do you deal with that kind of stuff? How, how would you recommend people deal with the, in terms of resistance to people who, who don't want to hear the message that you shouldn't drink alcohol if you're planning to get pregnant or are pregnant?
1: I have tried to respond to those people by sharing the personal stories of encountering children and realising how difficult their life is through the eyes of the child, if you were that child and through your parents' behaviour were delivered into this world with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and maybe you were one of those children who was shuffled off into foster care. We know from the studies overseas of so many of the children that are shuffled from home to home, you could look back and see that their alcohol is a very significant factor in many of those situations. The children in detention, alcohol is so often we know from the Banksia Hill assessment in Western Australia, from Dondale assessments and the Royal Commissions, we know that the life of the child is impacted so dramatically by our collective alcohol consumption and behavior that I don't think once an individual pauses to think about their own behavior, you can possibly resist the change. I think people stubbornly think it's about somebody else. But if you can explain that the child is the innocent casualty of the society's behavior, and yet we as individuals have the potential, and I believe the responsibility, to change that threat to the child... I think it loads you up with a different view. Instead of trying to treat the science, the medicine, the care, the community effort, the alliance, as people who are trying to turn off your right to have a drink, nobody has ever asked for that. They're actually asking you to understand that how you use alcohol can have a life-changing impact on a child. And... Most human beings respond to the child thoughtfully with a kindness, with a realisation that your gift to that child then is life-changing. Through a bit of behavioural change in yourself, you can give a child a healthy start in life. I mean, is there anything else worth more than that? I can't see how you could possibly measure it. And to know that your own children will have started in life with that opportunity. And I use the phrase our children very broadly. I mean, I think as a species, that's what is wonderful about the human being. We do care instinctively about other children. So I come back to that simple focus. I don't believe any young man or woman would deliberately, through their behaviour, harm not only their child, but any other child. It's not in our nature. Once we realise that, arguing about alcohol, we, we the science is so clearly established on this. The advice is during the season of having children, it's important not to see it of only a When I decide I want to have a child, when I think I might be pregnant, you have to realize that if you're in that season of life where the arrival of a child is possible, you have to look at the fact that the use of alcohol, a toxic substance, can be altering the entire life of that child that might soon come into the world, that's transformational knowledge. Mm. I believe, Kurt, then every human being will respond thoughtfully.
0: Thank you, Jeff, for sitting down and chatting with me today. Um, honestly, yeah, it was, it's amazing hearing what you had to say today, and it was very fascinating as well. You, you brought it to life so well.
1: Thank you, Kurt. I've enjoyed talking with you, and keep up your great work on the podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Please tune in next week for another episode of Our Little Podcast. If you like this podcast episode, then please show your support by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Every little bit helps. All rights reserved. For more information about FASD, then please go to www.nofasd.org.au.